Hello and welcome to Shite and Sound, the podcast where two comedians watch one of the masterpieces of world cinema and then follow it up with a critically reviled film that is similar in some way. Maybe they share themes, plot, actors or director. We want to see if counterpointing these two films can bring out some new information or insights. On this episode, we watched number 27 on the Sight and Sound list, Rashomon, Akira Kurosawa's often imitated but never bettered exploration of memory, violence, lust, cruelty, selfishness, and hope. Our second film this week is Tombstone Rashomon, a film that tries to excavate the truth of the gunfight of the OK Corral from 135 years of myth-making, fictionalization, hagiography, and revisionism in only 78 minutes. Oh, I'm doing okay. Are you? Well, I asked you that earlier and you said you weren't doing well at all. Yeah, but when you asked me then, I'd forgotten that yesterday I bought almost a kilogram of Mentos. And so... Okay, so, all right, all right, stop. <laughs> Finn. Yes. What are you doing? What is going... Are you st- are you, did you also get a bunch of Diet Coke or... Uh, uh, no, but we do have uh, uh, some cans of Coke in my house at the moment. That's a good idea. I should do something with that uh, later. Why but, um, are you... Why? So, okay, okay, so I was at Kmart no, at no, 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 no. Ground level. Why? You are... 24? Uh, something like that, yeah. Yeah. Mentos. Mentos is mints for children who are too young to experience what a mint is actually okay, like. Right, but, but, okay, but here's the thing, though. Yeah, here's I was, the thing. I'm I was, right. I, I was at Kmart yesterday. Yeah. Right. And they had, uh, they had uh, 405 uh, gram bags of Mentos. Yeah. Uh, for $2. Yeah. And I was like, Okay, I can just buy two of those bags. I do. Th- do you not agree that a major step we have to do in saving the burning planet is lower our needless consumption? Uh, yes, and each of these Mentos is individually wrapped. Oh, uh, <laughs> bad, like, like uh, if we're talking environmentally, terrible decision. Like, uh, uh, like actually indefensible. Yeah, yeah, but- yeah. But it's going to keep me in. It's going to keep me in Mentos for quite a while. Yeah, but that is like. What a Peric victory, I guess. <laughs> and that's like, what a hell of a journey to take when I was simply trying. Earlier, you didn't say you were bad. You said you were good earlier, too. And I was going to say, I remember it differently yeah. as a way to introduce the two films we're talking about this week. Uh, Network and Mandy. Yeah. Do you want me to say it this time? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, uh, uh, I remember it differently. Yeah, but that's just... Because you stole the dagger to look after your children? No, 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 because- no, no. Uh, so I, I stole the dagger that had the sands of time in it, uh, and right, I took yeah. us back in time, and we w- and made us watch Rashomon and Tombstone Rashomon. But to navigate it, you need to take the spice, and you took it from the Prince of Persia. Yeah. And to navigate time, you took the spice, so you mutated into a giant spider that hunted the Prince of Persia through New York in 2013. It was Toronto. It's, oh, yeah, it's yeah. absolutely in Canada. Uh, oh, it's not. It's not. It's not pretending to be otherwise. Oh, Canada! 
Yeah, that's their song. Say that again. <laughs> <laughs> that's how it happened, right? Justin Trudeau was talking to someone and yeah, he, was no, like, he, he, he was he was in blackface. And, like, just not being... He's a real Ardern, right? Like, the rest of the world is like, check out this guy. And everyone in Canada is like, yeah, but he keeps trying to build oil pipelines <laughs> through indigenous land and blackface. Yeah. I mean, I hope he hasn't recently done blackface. <sighs> who can Who can tell? But also, like, of prime ministers... I think would probably blackfish in the modern day. Mm. I would say Trudeau. Like you could see Trudeau coming out, you know, with a back with a beanie on. In my head, he's Ali G. Is what I'm describing. <laughs> um, that'd be pretty funny. What yeah. would that sound like? Uh, I don't. I don't know what Ali G sounds like. Yeah. So just vibe it. Just vibe it. No, that's not what he sounds like at I all. I know, Finn. right? Oh, what, maybe what, I, a, what a bad impression by me. Maybe I remember it differently. <laughs> so, Akira Kurosawa, uh, pr- Biggie, yeah, justifiably acclaimed. He makes his debut on the BFI list. I mean, for us, I think he has some films uh, past a hundred. Yes. Um, uh, uh, with- yeah, it, it, it is kind of surprising that he only has two in the top hundred because he yeah. is, you know, just like one of those guys who. It is like just un- unequivocally one of the greatest and most important filmmakers of all time, and, and like self-evidently so. Like yeah. he 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 is a director who, even if you were not aware of just how fucking big a deal he was, you would uh, look at his work. You would yeah, having seen. Uh, Rashomon or The Seven Samurai or uh, Ran, <laughs> I don't know, to pick my three favorites. Yeah. Uh, you would just be like, oh, yeah, he's this guy is one of the best directors who has ever worked uh, in, in the medium, uh, indisputably so. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, the way he m- moves through and molds space is really. Oh, bracing. Ikiru is the only other one on the list. He only huh. has three. Wow. The, the, like, yeah, that, that is crazy when, when, yeah. when, 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 like, Godard has, like, six. Yeah, and uh, Akira Kosara is a better director than, than Jean-Luc Picard. Yes. And... And such a formative one as well. And it, but it's nice. It's nice to start with Rashomon because Rashomon was, you know, Kurosawa had been making films for 15 years at that point, 10, yeah. 15 years. Um, but it was his introduction to the world. People have pitched it as the Japanese cinema's introduction to the world. Yeah. Like all statements like that, it's a bit fuzzy. You know, sure, yeah. like, but, but like he is the like first Japanese director to to really like break through internationally. Yeah, he won he won the Golden Lion. Mm. Uh, they invented an Academy Award so they could give him one. Like this film wasn't just renowned; like it was it was big. Yeah, and you can totally understand why no one had ever looked at a story and been like, "Hmm, I bet people within this look at things." Unputi. Maman, no, un petit, differently, you know? Yeah. Pretty um, interesting, I would say. And just, like, imagine being, like, a suburban American in, like, the 1950s. Yeah. 
and you go to the movie theater and, and you not see not a decade since you had put Japanese people in camps. Yeah, and you see Toshiro Mifune in this movie. Oh my god, uh, like, who is uh, more beast than man? Yeah, and, uh, not not in an Orientalist way. Like he is, he plays this bandit who is this like snarling saber tooth, just jittering and shaking, full yeah, of fear like, and it, violence. Yeah, it's like it, in, exquisite. In, in the section of the story told from his point of view, yeah. where he is the most human, he's still playing it like like a kind of cartoon monkey. Yeah, he, he, like, he's always got the, the, this kind of like the, 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 this 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 sort of like coiled posture, re- like ready to jump. And he's always yeah yeah he's got, he's got his, like wide eyes, like well, searching I, and like laughing. And, oh. and so much of his performance, this nervous energy, this shaking, the constant shifting of his eye line, never planting his feet. Like the thing that struck me watching it this time, but you know maybe I remember it differently from the previous times I've watched it is that those are all things you try and train out of actors because they often look amateurish sure, yeah. on the screen. But he lands them, and especially in juxtaposition, because, you know, how I, like, my idea of Mifune in my head is as one of the archetypical exemplars of, like, cool. Yeah. And cool in both, like, uh, uh, Jessica Henwick stepping through a mirror with a gun and those sunglasses, but cool in, like, aloof yeah. and distant in films like yojimbo and sanjuro he yeah he, he is he is he is playing it so restrained he is so like yeah. he, he is so quiet and still mm. and and the, 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 the points where he does speak or he does move are are like events yeah and, and in here yeah it, it, like he, he is he is so he is so frantic yeah and, he's an exposed nerve yeah it's it's Man, a couple of weeks ago, when Sidney Poitier died, I rewatched In the Heat of the Night, mm. and, and 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 like seeing that again, I was like, oh man, this is just like one of the most just like electrifying performances yeah. I've ever seen, and like I, I I get the same feeling from uh, from from Toshiro Mifune in this, even though like it's such like you know they're like opposite performances basically. Well, yeah. but but like yeah, it's just like so exciting to see this sort of energy captured on screen in such. A, like strange like physical way well and in a way that that is like cartooned but not comic yeah that that is broad but never baseless it is like detailed to the point where like a lot of the final telling of the story of the woodsman's second go through the story well when he tells the rest of the story yeah um uh, at the end kind of depends on uh mifune going to chase the wife and then stumbling and not being able to get up even though he could obviously outrun her yeah and it feels like the previous 80 minutes of his performance uh, of this jittering unstable man who who seems both drunk and to have never drunk a drink of any liquid in his life seems to be building to the fact that when he falls over, like he scrabbles to get up and he just can't. Mm. And you're like, well, yeah, well, obviously. Yeah. And that, yeah. Okay. So that makes sense. That's how we got here. That's how she got away. That That's why he didn't uh, chase her and, and be, and be terrible. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. No, it is like the moment in John Dealerman where she drops the brush. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, no, yeah, it's a perfect drop. You did it. <laughs> yeah. you, you fucking figured it out. But like, he is not like Mifune is easy to focus on because his is the most visible 
yeah. uh, performance in the film, with 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 the exception of, uh, of the Shinto priest who who channels the dead samurai, who is giving uh, just a performance that is you're like, is this performance all body? And then you're like, is this performance all face? And you're mm. like, no, this performance is all everything. It's all it's all veils and wind. It's so good. It's re it's a real rampling in June, if you will. <laughs> it's got a real gomjabar energy to it. Um and and, and but like even within so if you don't know Rashomon, I think it goes like this. First, <laughs> sorry, as we bu- every time me and Finn have discussed Rashomon, I've built up to a variant on the classic Simpsons joke of Homer going, "I don't think I've ever seen any. Uh, I don't like Japanese films." Marge goes, "You liked Rashomon," and then Homer goes, "I don't remember it that like that." Yeah. Uh, uh, um, and my best iteration on that is like, you know, everyone has their own version of a Rashomon joke, but they're all different enough to be equally valid in my opinion but anyway and Finn has sighed and rolled his eyes and that is why I'm going to torture him or at least I think that's how it's gone (laughs) and what you're missing uh, this being an audio medium is the look of actual disappointment (laughs) like the light slowly fading in his eyes like he's a food fight character only 26 episodes left (laughs) (laughs) then then the fast bender and the furious bender (laughs) And then uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles versus the Shredder. <laughs> um, <laughs> that is pretty. I think there's something Paul Schrader and then brackets Paul, the, the Simon Pignett Frost film. <laughs> Close brackets, you know. Uh, uh, yeah, no, yeah if, if every week we watch a Paul Schrader film and Paul. <laughs> it's uh, watching an okay film every week for a year. That sounds like the worst idea of all time. Wait, stop. Say that again. <laughs> anyway. Oh, Canada. <laughs> um, but, like, Rashomon, uh, uh, it's raining. This uh, uh, village person, right? No one is really given a name in this, right? People are generally identified by name. Yeah, I believe the only person with a name is Mufune's character. Yeah, yeah. Who is Tajomaru? Yeah. He is a bandit, but the most the most notorious bandit in the uh, uh, in like Kyoto or something. Yeah, I think um, it's said at one point. Yeah, in in the prefecture. This is mm. uh, um, uh, another kind of historical film set in like. You know, three, four hundred years ago. Yeah. Kind of, not the far past, not the far past of like seven samurai. It's, it's more like the Elizabethan era. It's yeah. like the 1600s. Um, but yeah, he, he is the only character to have a name. So we meet someone. Oh, who, well, it looks like the husband and wife also both have names. Oh, okay. So it is the three characters within the story. Yeah. Let's just set it up. Yep. So the, the, it's raining. It's so raining. I've rarely seen it rain more. I think this rain may be artificial, which makes Kurosawa a liar. Yeah. Uh, he is being locked up with Bo Burnham in cinematic liar jail. And, um, oh, Ari Aster. What did Ari lie about? Why w- no one would ever, in a relationship with Florence Pugh... Go to Sweden? Yeah. Be like- <laughs> I mean, not now. No. Uh, and uh, uh, Greta Gerwig. There are no little women. Yeah. There are none. I mean, Flo- average size. Uh, I mean, Florence Pugh is pretty short. Yeah, but they're still regular short size. It's not like you can. She's not a Polly Pocket. 
when I think of Little Women, I think of like Thumbelinas who I keep in Polly Pockets in my pocket to consult on things. I mean, is is there any evidence that the, that the film Little Women isn't taking place in 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 Polly Pocket world? Uh, yes, Bob Odenkirk has publicly said that he will never play a character of a different scale. <laughs> <laughs> He's talked about it a lot. Oh God! Now, now I'm trying to think of the Bob Odenkirk performance that disproves that. There's almost certainly something in Mr. Show, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I should have said Laura Dern. Yeah, you should have. And uh, although there's probably something in the Empire. I man, I have seen that film. Like, like when the camera's really close to her face and it's like it's like bulging out. Hey, I hope that and you know the anecdote about uh, the first time David Lynch ever smoked weed, which I hope is true, but is probably a uh, lie. Yeah, he yeah. was at a Bob Dylan concert far back, and he lost all sense of depth perception and left because he thought Bob Dylan had shrunk to five inches tall. Yeah, uh, David Lynch, I love you. Um, uh, do you know who I don't love? People just on. Twitter being like, let's scold people who like David Lynch. And it's like getting a lot of not liking David. No, that's not. Anyway. Um, so so this, it's, it's raining. This villager comes to uh, the gate outside the town called Rashomon. Yep. Wait, stop. Say that again. Anyway, uh, already sheltering in there, there is a priest and like a woodsman. Uh, yes. The priest is played by Minoru Chiaki, uh, who, who was also in Seven Samurai, Akiru, High and Low, Throne of Blood. He's like in, in, yeah. t- in tons of Kurosawa stuff. Is also in, uh, 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 is also in The Face of Another and uh, 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 one of the Human Condition movies. He's like a, a big Japanese actor. Uh, the woodcutter is played by Takashi Shimura, who like apart from... Uh, who like other than Mifune is like uh, is, is Kurosawa's like biggest collaborator yeah. w- and, w- and you, like he is I, I'm not deep on Kurosawa mm. but he is he is he is one of those faces where you're like oh, I know you I've seen you in a million things and a million images yeah yeah he yeah he, he's he's one of those guys who is in like every like Japanese movie of of the like 50s and 60s yeah super recognizable fantastic face yeah. You love to look at him. They, they're all, I mean, part of this is that the, uh, oh, cinematographer, what is your fucking name? Yeah, uh, the cinematographer is Kazuo Miyagawa. Yeah. Who, who, who also shot Yojimbo, Ugetsu, Sancho the Bailiff. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, floating uh, weeds. He has shot the shit out of this film. Yeah. And it he is- shot the shit out of his rain. <laughs> Rain, and, the rain looks incredible. Well, and it's hard to tell if these people all have the most compelling faces on cinema or if they are just some of the best lit people ever. And maybe uh, it is both. And um, so these two guys, the priest and the woodsman, uh, have been having... They're pretty sad. Yeah. And the, the villager is like... Why are you so sad? And well, they're like, yeah, so, "Well, do we have a story for you?" Yes, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. And so he is played by Kichijiro Ueda, who is also in a ton of other Kurosawa, is in Ugetsu, mm-hmm. is in one of the Human Condition films. Oh, is in a movie that I uh, blind bought a Blu-ray of recently called uh, "Horrors of Malformed Men," which. Uh, 
Again. I mean, one, one, just one of the best names for a movie ever. Also, I believe The Horrors of Malformed Men was the original title of The Scum Manifesto. <laughs> and, and they tell a story uh, of uh, the investigation into a recent crime. A yeah. samurai was found dead, stabbed. Did he kill himself? Was it murder? Uh, uh, and his wife was found sheltering in a local temple, pretty freaked out. And a bandit was caught by a cop. Yeah, and they in the story within the story, uh, the woodsman is like, "Yeah, I'm the person who found the body. Uh, it sucked," which introduces us to this kind of third level of narration, a uh, 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 third story within a story, which yeah. is kind of the meat of the film, which is in this uh, uh, clearing that is. I know what you're thinking: a forest clearing. I hope the light is dappled. And you're like, buddy, I don't think you understand how dappled this light is. There better fucking be a babbling brook nearby (laughs) with the sunlight glinting off the ripples. (laughs) Does this film move through light and shade? It's like, constantly. Is there a frame? Is there a difference between two frames in this that doesn't involve someone moving between light and shade? It is good shit. Uh, and, and within that, uh, from first the bandit from Mifune, we hear his take on the events that occurred. Yeah. Uh, um, the, the agreed upon facts are that, that uh, the samurai and his wife were out on, on horseback. Uh, and the bandit was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. A wooger. Uh, time to rob you and... Uh, sexual violence, your wife. And then it is what happened after that that is up to much debate. And we hear then from the wife and then through the Shinto priest, the dead samurai, and then the woodcutter reveals that he was witness to the whole thing and gives his perspective. So we see the same story four times. Yeah. Uh, but but the key point I was getting to is uh, obviously we have uh, Mifune, and, but the samurai and uh, his wife, uh, a screen team we're already uh, attached to and ready with. Who are they, uh, Yeah. So the husband, uh, Takahiro, is played by Masayuki Mori, again from a bunch of other Kurosawa stuff. He's been working with Kurosawa since like Kurosawa's third film. He's in uh, Senshiro Sugata Part 2. Uh, and his wife, uh, Masako, is played by Machiko Kyo. Yeah. Uh, and the two of them were in Ugetsu together. Yeah. Also in a relationship. Yes. It, 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 also, were, also in a relationship involving a ghost. Yeah. They're, they're, the, uh, they're the two leads of Ugetsu. Ugetsu. Check it out. It's weird. But like it in a cool eerie way yeah. like life is now anyway um this is our first episode recorded in level red of of the popsicle system yeah so it's uh uh exactly like uh, the other levels except i have to go to a different screening of drive my car than the one i initially was going to <laughs> i'm going to the first screening because yeah. i got in early enough so i'm gonna spoil it for you no don't tell me if they drive the car or not. No, don't watch the trailers, because, Finn, I've got terrible news for you. That car. I know you hate when you see cars with wheels moving on them. Uh, yeah. That, 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 that's why the only movie I will, I will deign to watch is uh, The Flintstones. <laughs> but there are wheels oh, in there. No, there are. Or do you Fuck. consider those rolls? You know what? I've... I think I've just been living a lie for a very long time about this wheels thing. <laughs> yeah, it, it all came from a very traumatic experience with Hot Wheels. Where did, what was that? Well, uh, so I 
I took the name too literally. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I put them in the oven. Oh, no. And uh, anyway, that's why that orphanage burnt down. <laughs> that's right. I went to an orphanage and put them in the oven there. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. My parents are still alive. <laughs> yeah, not dis- despite your many attempts at burning down their various residences. Yeah, I, I, I was just going over to an orphanage to hang out. I decided while I was there, I'd grill, I'd grill some Hot Wheels. You're just going to hang out, check out if any of them are a Shazam. Or uh, a mouse boy. Or, uh, ooh, uh, Oliver Annie. Twist. <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean, Oliver, is Annie just a gender-flipped, distaff Oliver Twist? Wish I knew either of those stories well enough. Uh, no. Okay. Although, cool. uh, both have movies that uh, I don't like made of them. Ah, so yeah, Rashomon uh, uh, not only uh, introduces, quote unquote, uh, Kurosawa and Japanese cinema to the world, but this is also, uh, this is the watchword for uh, retold, ambiguous, uh, unreliable narrator stories, right? Uh, uh, The Rashomon effect has its own Wikipedia page, which is the only way to know if something is valid. And almost everything uh, uh, that, that does a similar thing is done in the wake of it, even though, you know, the unreliable narrator is, 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 you know, it goes back to Don Quixote and I'm sure further than that. Um, but there is something about this that, that packages it and, and crystallizes it so clearly. And like part of it is the fact that it is, it's so direct. Hmm. You see the person looking at the camera, telling the story, you cut to the story, they tell their story, it ends, the next person tells their story. Yeah. Like, like, in many ways, it's incredibly, like, the setup is transparent and, and rigid. Um, But also, some of it is the, like, it does, you said in your intro, never bettered, right? Mm, yeah. Why, why do you think that is? Why? Because I, I agree with you. Yeah. I mean, this is the thing I think I mentioned when we were talking about The Last Duel in our uh, Shite and Sound, Shite and Showdown. Uh, For the Crown, yeah. 2022, 3.0 plus 1.0.1, Thrice Upon a Time. I believe that's in To the Quickening. Yeah. This is just like something I heard someone say a few years ago online. It, it like resonated with me, which is the like thing that Rashomon does, which almost every other film which copies Rashomon's like style and structure does not do is when Rashomon is over you are still left with that sense of ambiguity and subjectivity there are maybe elements which are given like greater or lesser weight yeah but it never says this is the one definitive version of events it keeps the complexity there and never goes for the like easy way out which well, all the other films that try and do this do and I think the reason that that lesson is it, this is not the only uh, uh, time to do it uh, to 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 insist that the ambiguity continue, but it is, yeah, as as the last duel demonstrates by having uh, two different perspectives and then the truth. Yeah. But what I think is happening is people are misremembering Rashomon because uh, the fourth time we see it through is is when the woodsman tells the full version of the story. Yeah. And, and it is presented both within the film and the woodsman basically goes. They're, they're all obviously lying. Here's what 
really happened. Yeah. Uh, and, and that is of the, of the tellings of the story. That is the one that makes the most sense as like a synthesis yeah. of the other stories. And, 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 and then as soon as he finishes telling that story, yeah. he is revealed by the commoner who is the, the like most cynical of, of all of them. He, he is revealed to be a liar and a thief. And, and a thing I thought, like an observation I've had that I thought was in the film, and maybe I just missed it this time, but it wasn't there, uh, is that like the fact that his version doesn't really introduce new elements. It just retells the story in a different kind of combining them in a slightly with a slightly different source on it. You yeah. know, uh, uh, is I always thought that someone was like, no, no, but like you weren't there. You're just lying. Nothing you've told us is new hmm. from the other three versions. Whereas the other three times there's always like a new element right, being yeah. introduced. Um, but I think I just intuited that, uh, you know, th- there's really clearly doubt put on it and it is. And yeah, that's what people are missing. And I think the other thing people miss is that there is actually very little in Rashomon of seeing the same scene from two different perspectives. The story changes massively yeah. the first three times. Uh, uh, like, the basic events, like that the, the samurai and the bandit get into a fight, is in two or three of them, but it's not in all of them. Yeah. The, the idea that the, the wife was some element in like goading uh, or, or, or attacking her husband is in two or three of them. That they are all like, they're kind of like Sherlock's. Like that they are people, they are all like looking at the outcome and being like, what are all the various stories that could build to this point? Yeah. And, and so often when people riff on it, it's like, okay, we'll see this scene again, but actually one of them was angry and the other was sad or now this time Adam driver is going to rape her, you know, um, which is, yeah, it just goes bigger. It's yeah. more, it's more expansive in a way. Like I wish people would steal that more, you know, I, I think, yeah, in, yeah, in, it, in, I think there's a lot of riffing on ideas like that, uh, in, in Hong Sang Su's work, but it also goes in enough of a different direction that you're like, Rashomon is part of the tapestry that makes up these films, but it's not really the key text. Right. And it's, I don't want to seem like I'm dissing those. Like that's a slightly, I think that's in a slightly separate corner anyway. And like the other thing is that for like the first time, this, this codified system of the unreliable narrator, people being like, here's how I saw it uh, uh, is done is that there's such a, a, a textural complexity to it and a textual one as well. Uh, in, in the each of the recollections, uh, um, um, has a different pace and energy to it, and yet they're all shot the same. Um, but the textual difference is in like it's not simply people being like, "Well, how, here's how I was the hero in this scenario." Yeah. Uh, uh, like uh, uh, the bandit's version of the story still ta- starts with him being like, "So I robbed and sexually assaulted these people," um, but then what happened next is actually I was a super noble. Yeah. Um, but also what he is doing, it seems, looking at the other stories, is is in a way telling a version of the story that does a bigger job of defending the wife. 
uh, uh, and her actions, to be clear, post-assault. I'm not blaming her for being assaulted. Uh, much as Finn would like us to become a no, not a no. good joke. Purse, um, and and, so, and like when the wife tells the story, she is kind of trying to defend the husband's behaviour in a way, and the husband's story is kind of him just trying to be like, no, every, everything was so fucked. It was it was just all me. Don't listen to them, guys. Yeah. And and that they are coming. Each of these tellings of the story, including the woodsman's, comes from a much different psychological place rather than just how do I make myself look good or bad? Like they have different reasons and more complex reasons for lying, um, which only become apparent viewing the whole. Yeah. Yeah, like the like husband's telling the story is like so fueled by his anger towards his wife for being raped. Yeah. And like everything that he says and believes is like born out of that and his like belief in his own honor and his belief that because his wife was raped, she is she she now like is, is you know, like less than she was before. Yeah. And in that telling the story, Toshiro Mifuni becomes even less human. Like yeah. in the section which is told from Mifuni's point of view, he, he is he is wild and manic and, and like animalistic. In this section he is barely human. Yeah, 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 he's, it, he's a wild animal. Yeah. yeah, and then just like sitting in the center between this lustful evil harpy and yeah. and, and this beast man is the husband just sit, sitting still stoically. His incredible, his like incredibly angled face. Yeah, yeah, with his like mustache and soul patch, just 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 sitting there as his wife is willingly seduced by this bandit. I mean, like tries to have her husband killed and stuff, and he's just sitting there the whole time, like. Well, and, and like within that is that it is using like a lot of Rashomona likes. The moral is, isn't it weird how people see things a little differently? Mm-hmm. Whereas in this, it is kind of like, uh, let's talk about rape culture 50 years early because they've all kind of internalized it. Yeah. The three of them across their stories in, ve- in very different ways, but all of which uh, uh, relate really directly to uh, how uh, 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 women are owned or destroyed through being sexed upon. Yeah, and like there is so much of the like rape culture commentary in The Last Duel, which kind of seems to come directly from this. You know, when the story is being told from from a bandit's perspective, as he's raping the woman, she comes to enjoy it. And when it is being told from a husband's perspective, he is sort of like stoic and noble. Yeah. But when it's being told from a wife's perspective, both of these men are just absolute monsters who one of them is a rapist and one of them cannot see her being raped as anything but an attack on him and his property. Yeah. Well, and, and then the woodsman's version of the story is like... Uh, uh, she is uh, uh, a maniac demon who demands blood at every moment from another dimension. Yeah, and and it, um, like which gives her the opportunity to give. Uh, I, I want to be like the best performance in the film, but they're all the best performance in the film. This film. It's sound yeah. out of shite and sound. Now, in the outrage, yeah. uh, the uh, uh, the American Western remake of this, yeah. uh, that is by far the best scene of a movie. Mm. That character is played by the actress Claire Bloom, and mm. she is just like she is from Doctor Who, and she is like incredible in that scene. Hey, I need to it's, check it out. Uh, it's the bandit in that is uh, Paul Newman. 
can't remember who from Seinfeld. Yeah, I can't, I can't remember who her husband is in, in that scene. I mean, I presume Jerry or Kramer. Yeah, probably. Oh, okay, it's some guy called uh, Lawrence Harvey who's in like a bunch of stuff, but wasn't really like a major guy ever. Mm. Uh, and, and yeah, like she, she, she like rips these fucking guys to pieces in the American version, especially, yeah. and it's it's great. And it's so yeah, it just feels like there is so much packed into this film, and yet it does it with such transparent ease like 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 uh, uh, to to state obvious things about akira kurosawa that we will repeat when we get to the seven samurai and, and maybe akiru when we mock mop up the back half in 40 years or whatever uh, um he his his skill is in taking uh, of quite straightforward narrative structures uh, uh, like the shapes of his stories are very clear yeah. and, and, and all, almost workmanlike and then filling them with interesting bits of nuance and, and subtlety and contradiction and then uh, shooting them the best anyone has ever shot anything. Like uh, uh, his skill is in making things that seem complicated but are incredibly lucid, actually. Mm. And like, I presume that's a lot to do with choosing these two stories to adapt, making sure that, uh, you know, you tell it's telling it four times in a row, they're not intersecting or overlapping, right? Man, good job, Akira. Yeah. Uh, I guess is, is the thing to say. Yeah, while we're on the wife breaking down and getting real furious, giving her all different kinds of agency, including times where... Uh, she is not beholden to any man, yeah. which is uh, disappointingly somewhat controversial uh, within narratives, uh, uh, representing narratives uh, of this time uh, of Japan in Japan, if that makes sense. And and as part of why, as this film was breaking huge across the world in Japan, people were like, yeah, that film's too American, which is, I don't know a real weird take against this film that is full of lines like all I feel is emptiness, you know, (laughs) look at the rain on the flower. It, it it falls like I do through time. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. The priest character talks like he's just workshopping haiku all the time. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, just the idea of looking at this film and, and like, which is not to say this film isn't American and thus it's incredibly Japanese. Uh, um, but I do think that a lot of that resistance comes from uh, uh, a lot of, especially formative Japanese storytelling is a very clear moral parables. And like, we can sure. see that in Mitsuguchi's work mm. and like Mitsuguchi's skill is in taking fairy tales, yeah. which are about good and evil and immoral and, and then presenting them. Um, or, or uh, the 47 Ronin, which is about what if there were 47 Ronin? <laughs> yeah. Or Otsu, which was like, what if I made a film where it, it was just so fucking boring? What if I just made a real fucking boring? I can't wait to see Ozu, some Ozu films uh, while uh, not while on ADHD medication is is what I'm saying there rather than criticizing someone everyone loves. Uh, but that, that Kurosawa is obviously 
a, a pioneer of how we shoot and cut action yes. and adventure films. He basically made Star Wars first. We all fucking know this. Um, and, and he also he also made a festival of dollars first. Yeah, and he also made uh, the Magnificent Seven. Yeah, and let's say Blake Seven. Yeah. Um, uh, it is what, but the fact that he he pioneered so many of those tropes, like how we cut and frame action, would be different now. Without Kurosawa, yeah, uh, uh, how how you use a mobile camera, how you frame people, how you cut between things, when you can cut, and which are all like usually like the things that are ascribed to fucking like that thing. Like there's the myth of like Doctor No was the first film that cut on action. It's just like no, watch yeah. Rashomon, you know, from a decade and a bit earlier. Um, yeah, I know that's just imperialists being like. We invented how you cut action in this film. So, yeah, Kurosawa inventing all these tropes, but inventing them by making films much more complicated than most action films makes him seem like an overachiever. Yeah. Uh, IMO. And I'm glad that he pretty quickly burnt out after making yeah, this. Yeah, no, I, I'm glad that he's dead and, and can't and, show off anymore. And and didn't make a career after Rashomon uh, studded with gems that have survived the tests of time. Yeah. Because that would be quite infuriating because many people would just make Rashomon and then be like... Uh, I'm going to retire. I don't need to make the only non-boring three and a half hour long film about seven men going to a town. Um, <laughs> there are so many of those. Yeah. I believe that's what Satan Tango is about. Well, it's, a, it's like, yeah. <laughs> also, if anyone wants to see just like one of the most like uh, lovely videos of all time, when Kurosawa was making the film Kurosawa's Dreams, there is a sequence in that where Martin Scorsese plays Vincent Van Gogh. And, uh, 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 Van Hoog, yeah, I believe. Sure. And, uh, no, 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 Van Hoog. Sure is like Howard Shaw. And uh, there is uh, some behind the scenes footage of uh, Martin Scorsese getting the like, makeup put on for the first time uh, to, to, uh, in order to look like Vincent Van Gogh. I mean, he, 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 and he goes out to the set and you get to see Akira Kurosawa's face as he sees Martin Scorsese dressed as Vincent Van Gogh and he just has the biggest, most wonderful smile and and, and Scorsese is, is so happy because he's getting to work with Kurosawa and like, oh, it's, it's, so, it's so beautiful. It is so rare to have a, a, a director and, and a work in the terms of Rashomon that entirely live up to the hype oh, and they live yeah, up absolutely. to like the hype of my memory <laughs> you know i like the comparisons i make in my like the competition are like like i believe david lynch lives up to the hype yeah i believe the peaks of altman do miyazaki but beyond that like Everyone is slightly less than their legend. Sure, yeah. But like, yeah, I got I got ran on 4K recently. You'd never guess. 
That film looks great. <laughs> all 4K of it. I could. Mm-hmm. I think I kept thinking during Rashomon. Yeah, I've, I've, I've heard there are. Uh, I've, heard, I've heard there are some pretty nice colours in that movie. Um, one or two. One or two. Uh, um, uh, 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 I think I was thinking throughout Rashomon is like I cannot wait for you know the inevitable 4K HDR scans of of the major Kurosawa's. Yeah. Uh, or at least the black and white ones because a high dynamic range properly processed like digital versions uh, of of this film where the blacks are really black yeah. and the whites are it's just going to look so good and like the fact that digital technology is only just catching up to to express the beauty that he was doing for no money in a quick time with basically with his mates is 70 years ago is jaw dropping. Yeah. Well, and, and together, like I pointed out to you, and you could say this during any Kurosawa film, and I say that having watched his first, Seguro. Sinshiro Sugata. Yeah, Sinshiro Sugata, which I've watched only a little of, but I can say this from the beginning almost every frame in each of his films is uh, 100% the perfect frame. Uh, yes. In a way that uh, makes every other film look faintly embarrassing for when they are like slightly off. Like I, I saw licorice pizza a couple of days ago, a film that I think, I think we'll talk about at the end of the year. Um, and, and like, but my overwhelming reaction to that film is that I think it is beautiful. I think it's one of the best looking films in, in a long while, but Watching Rashomon, after seeing that so recently, I was just like, I thought about all the times in Lakish Pizza where it's just like, they could have worked on the frame a bit. The right, light could have yeah. landed a little differently. Like, okay, I see what you were doing. Kurosawa wouldn't have done that. He would have found, like, just the perfect way to do it, the perfect way to land it. Um, I mean, he would make a very different film. It would probably be set further in the past. Yeah. And... I mean, the story would be More less... More sword fights. You don't know how many sword fights there are in Licorice Pizza. I would have heard about them by now. <laughs> what if people are keeping... What if the second half of that film, all sword fights? Uh, it would be my favourite film of the year. Okay. Um, sadly, it's not going to be your favourite <sighs> film of the year then. Unless you love a bittersweet, detailed and heartwarming chemistry between two of the greatest recent finds in the acting community? Uh, no, but I do love uh, uh, anti- uh, I do love anti-Asian racism. <laughs> That's say, fully endorsed say, by the film. Yes, I say yummy, yummy, give me more. <laughs> what, what are your favourite examples of anti-Asian racism? Oh, uh, oh let's... I've got to say, it was hard to... to start? It was hard to watch Rashomon with you because every time a character spoke, you would just yell Ching Chong, Ching Chong. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, that's yeah. Chinese racism, I guess. Every time someone died, I said, yes, more, more. <laughs> I hope I get to see this guy die three or four times. Um, it... It, it is just it, it's it's hard to and like part of why I feel bad about uh, uh, let's talk about I think it is sound do you think it is sound uh, yes I uh, think it is very sound where have you got it ranked uh, uh, on your list I mean I, I I've not fully decided but it is it's somewhere in the top five I yeah I don't have it 
that high. I have it at number, come on, I have it at 17, above Stalker and beneath Close Up. Um, And I'm kind of like, I know it should be higher because this film is not only interesting with no bad performances in it, uh, doing something uh, kind of definitive in in its best kind of form. It's under 90 minutes long. It is... I just don't... I just prefer Seven Samurai. Right, like, yeah. Se- like, like, in a way that I've never... Like, this film is so perfect and so well judged. And I think this is part of the curse of seeing the things influenced by it before I saw it is that it always feels a bit familiar and, and and unsurprising. And I always, and I always play the game in my head where I'm like, I kind of wish there was the possibility that it was all a lie that the the ending precludes this but that the priest and the woodsman are just lying to that citizen making the whole story up i think it just and this is me being like this piece of fish is the best piece of fish i've ever eaten i would give it one extra squeeze of lemon though is what i'm saying do you know what i mean like how do i make a six star film a seven star film And, and like that's why it it just doesn't sit with me the way that Samurai does. Right, yeah. Um, but I can't argue with it being in 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 the top five. I'm I'm just I'm just a bit of a dick. Um Right. Uh uh Yufu, uh, would, would you like to hear a an uh, uh would you, would you like to hear a, a negative review of Rashomon? Yeah, I'd love to hear a positive review of it, Finn. Uh this is a one star review well, well, a one-star review? Yeah. You you said a good review. No, I said a negative review. Oh, I must remember it differently. Oh, crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, th- this is a one-star review of Rashomon by Letterboxd user Riley Kells. I'm sorry, Rashomon. Open brackets. Not really that sorry. Close brackets. But I have finally found my hill I will die on. This film absolutely sucked. I thought it was boring pretentious and and totally messy okay uh i disagree strongly with all three of those Mm -hmm. it like the kurosawa of his many successes the reason like the reason anyone should watch kurosawa is that all this fucking intellectual bullshit we've talked about aside is that he makes exciting films that are fun to watch. Yes. Like, no, he invented the grammar of action cinema. Yeah, no, the, 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 like, the, 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 the only reason you could think that this film specifically is pretentious is if you think that any movie in black and white or not in English is pretentious. And it's like, yes, it's tonally inconsistent. I wonder why. <laughs> Maybe watch the movie. <laughs> yeah, it it spells it out pretty clearly. Uh, I am frustrated by this film because it is so well reviewed. Even if a film was innovative seventy one years ago, can't it be recognised that it doesn't hold up well now? It honestly feels like a circle jerk where no one can diminish the legendary Kurosawa. 
As a viewer now, I was assaulted by a plot that was bookended by unveiled pseudo-philosophical prattle between free men who are less so characters than basic archetypes. Yeah, no, they they all have the, they all have the names of archetypal characters. They have a priest, the commoner, and the woodcutter. And also, uh, saying that as if it's a default criticism is revealing a lot more about how blinkered your view of what narrative should be and how much you you are asking this film to be what you wanted rather than what you got than you think. Buddy, the ensuing plot is poorly paced and overacted. So what? No. <laughs> this film is eighty-eight minutes long. Yeah, feels like fifty. Has the content of two hours. Like and 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 and, and tells and tells us and like and tells a story four times over within a story within a story. No scene is probably longer than a minute. No speech is longer than twenty. Does the, is this person like a fly? <laughs> like. Ugh. It's poorly paced and overacted to the point that I thought this was a dark comedy. It deals with rape in a largely insulting way, and each retelling of a crime feels vapid. For instance, the first teller claims the crime and tells the story basically to make himself look cooler. I, uh, honest, I, I, I again don't see how that is a criticism. That is, that is a part of what the character is doing there, yes. Uh, and I do not... Like, we are not fully qualified to discuss this, but I think this film uh, generally does a very good job of holding the weight of sexual violence. Sure, yes. Again, I'm, I am not, I, I'm not in a position to really determine that, but there, there's nothing in this film where I'm like, oh, you're making light of it. This entire film is about th- the horror of violence and what it, of that kind of violence and what it does to people. Yes. And it, it is only like ever even slightly shown in the first telling and every other telling picks up like, uh, like picks up after it and, 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 and is about the after effects uh, is about the like physical and emotional like fallout of sexual assault. Uh, Rashomon might hold some value for being innovative in its time, and that can be worthwhile. And that can be a worthwhile approach when viewing a film. But but as a modern viewer, there is nothing of value here. Wrong. I, I would never watch this again. You just do not like that. That does feel like classic. Uh, what should I think? What do I think this film should be? Rather than what is the film I got? Uh, yeah. Uh, w- uh, w- uh, would you like to guess? Riley's top four films. Yeah, uh, it's one. Uh, this film is only liked by people who professionally dribble. Or uh, nope. Uh, uh, one of them is an animated film. Okay. Uh, is it in English? Uh, yes. Okay. Is it uh, in three or two dimensions? Uh, it is a type of three dimension. Oh, so it's stop motion. It is. is it uh, Anomalisa? No. Is it uh, like that? Is it like sad stop motion? Uh, no. Uh, so is it uh, Admin? Uh, no. Coraline? Leica? No. Oh, okay. Nightmare? No. Oh, man. Is it American? Yes. Okay. Some bullshit with the Keebler elves. <laughs> um, oh man, uh, is it is it holiday related? Uh, no. Uh, okay, which millennium did it come out? Current one. Oh wow, and, like family. 
Uh, yeah, this movie is uh, higher on the letterbox top 250 than Rashomon. Kubo? No. No. Oh, my God. It's fucking obvious now, right? Yeah. Um, do I like it? Uh, yeah. No. I wish you would say I hadn't seen it, so at least I had an out. God. Um. Uh, it, uh, it is uh, based on a book. By a uh, by a very popular and prolific children's author. That does not help me at all. Um, is it only a children's author? Uh, no, but primarily. Okay, it was uh, it, it was this film in multiple dimensions. Uh, I don't believe okay, so. so. It's not Coraline. No. Anyway, um, I, I, uh, I believe I've said it twice now. Yeah. Okay, it, so if it's not, it, uh, so it's not Selick, It's not Admin. No, it was not this director's first film, but it is their first animated film. Ah. Uh, where the wild things are. No. Fantastic Fister Marks. Yes. Yeah. With G clones. Yep. I like that film. Yeah. Uh, the second one is, uh, well, it's the second part of a series. Oh, The Godfather Part 2? No. Uh, the Matrix Reloaded? No. Uh, from Russia with Love? No. Oh, okay. Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets? Uh... No. Paddington 2. No. Okay. Um, oh, Screen 2. Uh, no. Halloween Kills. Uh, no. Halloween 2. No. The other Halloween 2. No. Oh, okay. Um, uh, Spider-Man 2. No. Oh, uh, a Nymphomaniac Volume 2. Uh, no. Okay. Oh, fuck. Um, oh, John Wick Chapter 2. Uh, no. Oh, okay. Uh, 20th build is, uh, Sean Bean. Ah. Is it Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers? Yes. The Contrarian's Choice. Yeah. Oh. Uh, also, also Ben McGugan's Choice. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Look forward to having him back on the pod. After he declared the two films we watched with him the worst films he watched last year. It's hard to argue with him. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, okay, so uh, the next film on the list. Uh, it, you know, it, it is just indicative of a bad set that this actor was sleeping with a director. Uh, okay, Fargo. Yes. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And the fourth film on the list, we've both seen it uh, multiple times in theaters. Tenet? No. Oh, June? Yeah. Yeah. I try, I keep trying to remember the um bagpipes noise, but it's not I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm You're like, gonna learn the bagpipes? Where, no. I mean I should, right? Yeah. As I re engage with my Scotch heritage, <laughs> I can say that, you can. Okay, the new. Um I was about to go you reti retire but that's Irish yeah, racism. It is. Don't worry. I've heard of Dairy Girls, I can do it. I've seen Bloody Sunday. And it really captures the pain of when you wake up and it's a Sunday. That's an Alan Partridge joke. <laughs> Do you remember the episode of Garth Marenghi's Dark Place where, like, one of the characters... Scotch is, yeah, 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 he just keeps talking about the scotch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, that show, they shot that whole show on 16 mil, yeah. and I'm very upset we are yet to get a blue of it because um, I just think like the horribleness of it yeah, will look no, so it, it, exquisite. It would, it would be it would be so it would be so great to see that. <laughs> I I need to see possum. 
which is yeah, Holmes's. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I, I, yeah, with uh, <laughs> a short with Sean Harris, right? Yeah, and, yeah. and the soundtrack is entirely done by an organization called. Um, God, the, the the Radiophonic Group, who are made up of people who were part of the BBC Radiophonic Group, who did all the weird, bleepy, bloopy music in, like, Blake Seven and Doctor Who. All right. Finn's just got up and is just walking away from the microphone, just so furious yeah. at the concept of watching a film with Sean Harris in it. No, I've, I've just had enough of your bloody Radiophonic talk. You can pl- plug it into here, no, so you can no, still use fine. it. Okay. Oh, yeah, sweet ass. Uh, uh, I, I, I just watched a movie uh, uh, No, shut day. up. I want to talk about the work of Mark Ayers more. Oh, no, I, just, so. I just watched a movie the, the other day which had a bunch of uh, bleep bloops on the score. It was uh, S- S- Sydney Lumet's V. Anderson tapes, yeah. where... Uh, uh, where uh, Sean Connery and Martin Balsam uh, uh, pull, pull, pull a pull a uh, pull a heist. It's got a young Christopher Walken looking incredible. Okay, so a score by we- Quincy Jones, and then because it's a movie about technology, he throws in a bunch of like synth bloop loops. Okay, so Finn, yes, as a bisexual man, there's nothing I love more than cocks. <laughs> And I was excited recently to realize I've seen two Cox films rigid with them. Yeah. I have to tell you, outside of the bit, I have seen more than two Cox films. No. One of them, Stranger Over Lake. Yeah. Uh, and, and one is... Short uh, bus. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have to admit... It, uh, it, that uh, Leo's Carrick's one where people are just fucking... Uh, just fucking mundane and boring and over-explaining and people only like it because <laughs> it dares to have good production design. Which Leo Carrick's film could you be talking about? You, 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 you are still mad about Annette. I just, like, imagine Annette, but good. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, imagine... Oh, no, that, that, that's what I imagined before I saw it. Yeah, I was no. very excited for it. Anyway, I love Cox. <laughs> so I'd seen two Cox films. I have seen Repo Man by Alex Cox and Nance, Sid and Nancy, yeah. uh, uh, which is by Alex Cox. And, and you suggested Tombstone Rashomon, yes. where I was like, this is the story of three different bits of granite, <laughs> being like, this is how we became tombstones. But you're like, this is an Alex Cox film. And I was like, I'm excited to see some Cox in, in the modern day. Because yeah. obviously, uh, Repo Man and Sid and Nancy are his first two, his first two features, yeah, right? Yeah. They're the independent films that got him in the studio door, which he was then swiftly kicked out of. Uh, yes, because he was like, uh, great, uh, now, now that I have access to uh, big studio money and celebrities, uh, I would like to continue to make uh, challenging and subversive films, yeah. uh, largely about uh, 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 largely about American imperialism, yeah. that uh, very... That uh, very pointedly, uh, 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 like uh, very pointedly, confront uh, the uh, modern political realities of the CIA's activities in uh, Central and South America. Yeah, and they said, "Okay, well, you do one of those." I just think Americans are normally so receptive to people interrogating their imperialism. <laughs> They're normally like, "Oh yeah, no, we we are the bad guys, and we're aware of that, and our yeah. crushing grip on every element of the world is a net negative." Uh, America, fuck you. <laughs> Team America World Police. Pretty racist. 
Anyway, if there was an American sketch show, the the Mitchell and Webb are we are we the baddies sketch? Yeah, uh, the answer would be an an unequivocal no. We no. are not the baddies. Well, and the, the, those people over there, <laughs> they're the baddies. They look different than us. But the 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 Mitchell the the American Mitchell and Webb version, which I'm sure is called like the the Mackenzie and Webb. <laughs> But it's Mark Webb from Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse 2. We'll just do it live action now. And that'll mm. that'll be good. We don't need a, we don't need a script. Anyway. Um, or uh, uh, good directors. Uh, no, he knows how, like, Webb's skill. He is good at getting chemistry out of actors. And that's still present in that film. It is just I unfortunate. Mean, okay, but, okay, so you're, you're wrong about the director. Mark, Mark Webb did Mark the Amazing Spider-Man. No, no, oh, okay, then, but he, or, okay, whoever did the current ones, yeah. who, who is it? Like John someone. Yeah, John right. Watts. John, John Watts, Watts is yeah. also good at that skill. Uh, 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 they both have that skill, and in both cases, they are hamstrung by uh, um, Amy Pascal being like, I have a shopping list of bullshit things to cram into this film. Yeah, well, hear me out, what if Spider-Man was a DJ? <laughs> Cox's career, I, I was really surprised that this Tombstone Rashomon was 2017. Because mm. I knew that he'd gone on and back into independent films, uh, but I thought that had kind of tailed off, and he was just some uh, you know ornery guy and talking heads. Yeah, but no, he's been you know him a lot better. I'm trying to set you up. Talk oh. about Alex Cox. Yeah, so everyone sort of knows Alex Cox from his like early mid '80s stuff. Yeah, Repo Man, Sid and Nancy. Yeah, like and, a, a pa- kind like, of the closest cinema got to punk that isn't uh, the films actually made by punks, which all universally suck yeah two of the defining films about punk and and then after he made walker in 1987 which is a fantastic film starring ed harris as the 19th century american uh, mercenary william walker uh, who would uh, just go into countries in central south america and uh, uh, take them over and declare himself uh, emperor basically uh after he made that film he was essentially kicked out of Hollywood and has spent the last 30 years uh, uh, m- m- making like essentially like self-funded films. And, like, or like Kickstarter yeah. or like I, I go to a businessman and be like, can you give me a hundred thousand bucks? Yeah. 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 He, he's been doing like, like really like scrappy low budget stuff basically since then. Well, and, and the thing that, that is clear to me in, um, Tombstone Rashomon, um, is that this is a man who has gotten incredibly good, and and he is good at this. This is not a veiled insult, at, at, at making a lot out of a little. Yeah, like like the the narration portions of this film, uh, um, are, are done in a on a black backdrop, and, and all of their cutting is is repositioning people in the frame. So it's pretty clear that everyone got a couple of takes were coached they didn't shoot many angles so they got it through in a day yeah um a, a lot of sequences are shot from one or two incredibly well chosen angles so he he has gotten yeah he's gotten good and making something with nothing and yeah. like his his embrace of both like hiding and accepting that he's shooting on digital is it gives it this nice weird texture and it's nice to see someone be like Oh yeah, I'm I'm making a cheap film, but that isn't a synonym for bad. Yeah, 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 uh, uh, yeah. And so, uh, what uh, Tombstone Rashomon is, is, you'll never guess. It's 
Yeah, so like obviously the like story of of a, of a gunfight at the OK Corral of of Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday and Ike Clanton yeah. is, is from one of the gunfighters, the Doctor Who story. Yeah. Everyone remembers yeah, it. Yeah, everyone's yeah. favorite Doctor Who story. No, no, <laughs> uh, it was okay. Sit down. Oh, uh, so we we do have to leave in about half an hour. But no, for a long time, um, largely because of Jeremy Bentham, <laughs> Finn has picked up some lighter fluid and, he, and he's opening it like with Nil and with Nail and I. Yeah, the gunfight at the OK Corral, yeah. which is the like a totemic moment in, in the West. Yeah, it is one of the stories that, that has been like told over and over and over again. There's like 15 or 20 movies just focusing on, on this particular like shootout and dozens more movies that like involve the characters of Wyatt Earp and Doc Holt. And, and even ones that don't directly include them at like gesture to yeah. wa- towards it. It, 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 it. It's the archetypal shootout, yeah. uh, Western shootout in a way. From from like early 20s, there, there were silent Westerns about it uh, through, through the 30s. And then like in the 40s, you have My Darling Clementine. Yeah. In the 50s, you have the, the gunfight of the OK Corral. In uh, 1971, there was the movie Doc. Uh, starring uh, Stacey Keach as Doc Holliday and Harris mm. Eulin as Wyatt Earp, which is a which is a really cool like early revisionist Western take on it, which kind of posits Doc Holliday and uh, Wyatt Earp as the bad guys, as the like amoral aggressors in, in the situation. Yeah, and, and then in the 90s, you have two major ones, which are Wyatt Earp and Tombstone. And obviously we're forgetting the major one, which is uh, the Star Trek, the original series episode that is called like Ghost Gun or like... <laughs> Scary sh- is, is that in season three? Because um, I don't remember that one. Um, let me. Uh, it's called Spectre of the Gun. It is yeah, season three. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was shot. Uh, it's between and is there in truth no beauty and day of the yeah it was wow. You're right. Star Trek only really did get good once Gene Roddenberry had died. Um, and I mean, good. I'm glad he died because he loved sexually assaulting people. Allegedly. Yes. And so what uh, Tombstone Rashmon tries to do, essentially, is an even more revisionist take on it. Fully boiling down all the different stories and takes we have on it. And like looking at it from like all the different angles of who is the good guy, who is the bad yeah. guy, what does this shootout mean in, uh, you know, in, 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 in like American culture and the and like yeah. American film culture and how we think of the Old West and all that stuff. Well, and, and even because I was so obviously... Uh, uh, it it is it's about a disagreement yeah. uh, between uh, um, a, 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 a sheriffs and criminals, mm. and, and there there are many points uh, uh, of debate as to who was in the right, yeah. which is a question that continues. Uh, across the world, uh, uh, um, uh, are law enforcement just the biggest gang? Uh, yes, um, and, and so it. It always has a resonance yeah. to it. There's always something to explore. There's always a new angle or a couple of new angles to take on it, right? Yeah, and so Alex Cox does what he is really good at, which is looking at things in 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 like unusual ways and like looking past cemented historical narratives. Yeah. And trying to find the subversive take, the revisionist take, but take that isn't just like on the side of established power structures. Yeah. Either direction yeah. as well. This isn't this is not uh, as you've said, one of the takes where it's just like, actually, the cops are bad. Yeah. It, it is like, let us unpack the complexity in of all angles of this moment. Yeah. The way that he goes about it, uh, he, he says, uh, 
what if there was a time-traveling film crew that uh, went to Tombstone uh, to film in order to film the shootout, but they got there a day late and everyone was already dead, so they just had to interview the survivors. Uh, that setup is introduced through a title card at the beginning and beyond uh, a couple of times where the interviewer interacts with the people telling the stories doesn't really affect it. Yeah. All the stories, as they are told, are not done in a uh, mockumentary style. It is a lot of premise to put on a film that maybe doesn't... If you cut that title card, would the film lose anything? Yeah, I mean, like, it has basically the same premise as the Peter Watkins film Culloden, but yeah. Peter Watkins doesn't bother saying it because it kind of doesn't need to be said. The, the thing Watkins had on his side, though, was uh, he was... A screening on the BBC mm. uh, in a venue and format that was a lot more immediately recognisable. Yeah. People understood that format from seeing it used properly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, but it is just the thing of, uh, I think, if Watkins didn't have that context, he would have to explain it. Whereas, like, mm. I think Cox doesn't need it here. Like, he loves blurring boundaries. Uh, uh, you know, later there are cars in it. He he loves to reflect on the real tombstone as place full of real people with a real history, but also as uh, tourist trap. Yeah. Um, just like if you didn't have it, it would kind of that would feel more free. Sure. Yeah. As opposed yeah. to like, I don't know. It feels like kind of lapping or. Or like pretend in a way that is a bit odd, you know. Uh, yeah, making that explicit, like if there is a time traveling film crew that goes to Tombstone. Yeah, like like feels like a marketing gimmick. Well, or or something a producer insisted mm. on when they were confused because it's promising a film that the rest of the film doesn't deliver, and the film that the rest of the film delivers is good, possibly better than the film that is promised. But sure. you're still like, you know, I. If I was a time-traveling film crew, I wouldn't sit in one dark room talking to people, you know? Yeah. Uh, this is a cast of uh, almost entirely people who have only ever been in this film. Yeah. I, my suspicion is that they are stage actors, because no, no one's terrible yeah. in this. There are some people who do great, and some people who uh, shout a bit more than they should and are doing silly voices, but no yeah, one fails. There, yeah. there is one incredible line reading by the guy who's playing Doc Holliday, yeah. who is pouring all of the fucking sauce below the Mason Dixon line yeah, he's on this guy's accent. He's flipping out in the chicken sauce factory. Yeah, no, he, he, these guys like a beard and moustache combo that like, make him look like a vampire version of Mark yeah. Twain. Or, or like a, a repertory theatre idea of corporate Satan. You yeah. Know? At one point he, he's describing in very flowery language the like, act of shooting someone. And uh, the, the, the sentence ends with him saying until life's vicissitudes drove him into the arms of Morpheus. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and oh, it is it is so over top. It is such a it is such a yeah, delightful bit of ham. And, and that is that well, is the it's peak. a hunk of ham. Actually, oh man, it's a it is a whole hock of ham. <laughs> yeah. I would say, uh, uh, you know, it's got lung cancer. It's so smoke. Um, but like, and that is the peak. But the whole film is very much and very deliberately within the mythic Western mode. Yeah. Everyone is like, "Well, hello there." Um, and as he, it, it was interesting because he doesn't as much as Rashomon is in the title. This film is 
beyond we see some events multiple times uh, uh, it doesn't follow the structure we don't see no. one thing we we see a lot of different paths to it but yeah. there's very little overlap we see the event itself three times uh, yes uh, yeah I think um, so. and, and all the differences are not differences of like action or moment they're differences of detail um and those details are about and, and like they're Kurosawa-esque because they're like, what is the substance of these myths? Like, what is the real detail of these people? And like the major difference between uh, the local lawman's recollection and uh, Wyatt Earp. and Wyatt Earps is whether um, whether the lawman told him that that the that Doc Holliday's gang no, just, Doc Holliday's on he's what I, just don't, know, I yeah. just don't know the name so the leader of the opposing gang is Ike Clanton yeah, and then like his brothers and then yeah. there are two other sets of brothers yeah yeah or whether they were disarmed yeah and while that is a little difference it's a massive difference mm. and, and when we see scenes replayed several times in Rashomon but they're very different in this it's a, always a difference of tone or intention yeah um, yeah, it's like differences of did someone misspeak? Did someone mishear? Like, yeah. who was like trying to cover their own ass? Yeah, and it is Cox obviously comes from punk, as yeah. as we've mentioned, and, and like the the core of punk is is three things: uh, advertising for the Vivian Westwood shop, <laughs> sex, uh, uh, eventually selling butter, and supporting Donald Trump even in twenty twenty, and the actual thing punk is about, which is in a world that that stops us being human, being like no no. I am as human as you. I am as fucking weird internally as everyone else's. Let us all experience Sonda together while pogoing, right? Yeah. And, and like you can see that in this because what the multiple t- tellings reveal is like these are all people. Yeah. They're all uh, uh, they're all as real as each other, uh, and that 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 gunfight. Whether justice was done or undone is a tragedy because humans died. Yes. Um, and it just, I love that idea so much. And it makes me wish that the film was more successful. Yeah. Because it, it's not all the way there. No. As much as Alex Cox mm-hmm. like knows how to work with the cheapness, the like, cheapness still does make it feel rickety at times. Yeah, you, and, like, you wish they had another week. You can tell that a lot of these actors have never been on camera before. And like sometimes the like, actors know how to like play it up with their character. Yeah. Because these are all people in the, like, in the, in the 1800s who would never have seen a like, film camera before. The guy who playing the local sheriff i think is like really good with is like really good with that yeah and it is i i think it's purely a time thing because like cox is already clearly doing good work with them yes and it is just if they had more time they could really hone these performances and and like no one embarrasses themselves on on this film which for a film of, of this scale you know is rare yeah it it just it, it, there are points where it's successfully doing um, a lot with a little, and there are times when it feels cheap, yeah. where it, it, it feels the the mechanism feels distracting. There is, as it goes on, weirdly, there's a more and more reliance on either kind of like very loose tripod tracking. Uh, uh, or or handheld cinematography where you are like 
you're doing this to excuse like you're doing this to excuse how quick you are making this. And those only stand out to me because he's done such a job, almost a good job everywhere else of making um, the, the, the cheap elements seem endemic. Like yeah. it, it's a much bigger film, but like when we talk like the giants and the green Knight, sure, how yeah. they are clearly being like, how do we do this cheap? And like, the answer is like, we design kind of the aesthetic of the whole film around being like, that is how the giants should look in this film. And it, I just, I wish he had had the resource to be able to do that. Yeah. Cause I'm sure like he would want to, you know? And like every time you see a, a white Earp and his, and his brothers walking around in those like black outfits with, with the hats and stuff, yeah. everything feels like just like off enough about the shot that it feels like deeply uncool, which is I think like what Alex, what, like what he is going for there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah cause, Cause like in, is it, uh, is, is it in Tombstone or is it in Wyatt Earp with, with, with like, Val Kilmer? It's Tombstone. It's Tombstone. Yeah. Like, that image in Tombstone of yeah. everyone, like, walking in a line in the black oh, outfits and, with and, the hats. And it's Kurt Russell as Wyatt Earp. Right. Kilmer is Holiday. Yeah, yeah. That is such, like, an iconic image of, like, powerful Western heroes. Yeah. And they're all, like, walking in slow motion. They're all, like, cool and hot. And then the, the, the like, way that Alex Cox shoots them, they look like a bunch of fucking dweebs in costumes walking up the street trying to look tough yeah which which is like which yeah which is which is like his which is his take on them yeah like yeah like like his his take on the what on the on the like on on the erps is like they are you know yeah like they they are just another gang yeah they're they're, blowhards yeah they are like they're a bunch of guys with like a grudge against this other family and so they decide to like use their power you know to like publicly humiliate and like maybe murder them and as much as that is the take, it's not the judgment. It is like that is his way of humanizing them is like these are people driven kind of by uh, arrogance yeah. and um, kind of directionless hate. But he's also kind of going like, who isn't, you know, like uh, uh, it is it is not. Because I, I get so bored of re evaluating and as I guess we've kind of already touched on, where it is like, yeah, but what if the goodies were baddies? And yeah. it's like, no, 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 it is like, and like you can see it from Repo Man on, and even I would argue Sid and Nancy is that like, yeah, he's like, no, people are complicated. Yeah. No one is good or bad. I mean, there are some people who are just bad. Um, J.K. Rowling. Uh, Tamora Pierce, Dana Wynne Jones, Ewan Colfer, Neil what, Gaiman. What, what, oh no! What, what 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 did they do? Write fantasy. Oh yeah, no, that's that's for what that's for one true crime. Well, yeah. Why why promote the falsehood that magic is good when we know it's just a direct path to Satanism? Yeah, uh, and it, it's obscene that we allow it. To happen publicly. Yeah. And uh, me and the other uh, 999,999 mums are very upset <laughs> about it. You do. It is interesting that you always have them with you in your, in your poly pocket full of microscopic mums. Um, yeah, well, Mars needs them. <laughs> do you think anyone has seen that film ever? Uh, no. I don't know why not. Literally zero people. 
Like yeah, no, like that, that that that's a film that only exists so that people can like reference the title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you know, it will like eventually- uh, uh, the, the Englishman who went up a hill that came down a mountain or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, well, I talk about that uh, a lot when I. Uh, Jizz on my paper mache volcano. <laughs> Great, good, uh, good stuff. It is good stuff. Mm. My cum. Again, I've got to set myself on fire. Please don't. Well, do it outside. Okay. Not near the car, though. Near oh, someone else's car. I say, I, I, okay, my picture was going to be: I stand on, I stand on the car, <laughs> on like the on like the, the, the yeah, like, yeah. roof of the car. Yeah. And you drive into the movie theater as I'm on fire. Oh, okay. I thought we could go with you. You're sitting on a throne as that sweet as crown <laughs> descends towards you. And then your your head blows on fire. And you're like, man, I knew Dev, Dev Patel was hot, but this is ridiculous. Yeah. It's like, it's like, it's like an episode of Treehouse of Horror. I can't remember like, what leads up to this, but... Um, there's like a giant wall of like of people's faces that will be all been killed and their like faces are like stretching out of the wall and and what, what one of the faces crossed the clown and uh you just, oh, 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 all the other screaming faces go silent for a second as he says i've heard of a wailing wall but this is ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> i mean yeah i i feel like every joke is improved uh, uh by ending yeah, with but this is ridiculous. <laughs> oh, absolutely, you know? yeah. like, I've heard of X, but this is ridiculous. It's, it's one of the great joke structures. I'm not calling this film shite. I think it is a marginal sound. Uh, yeah. Where do you stand on uh, it? Yes, I, I, I would agree with that. I, I, I think it, a it's short. Uh, B it's I you hit the fins. Uh, uh, a it's short. B all the performances are at best. Uh, uh, not offensive, and yeah. there are some really good moments in it. All of its ideas are interesting. Um, that it doesn't get there is because of um, people not giving Alex Cox enough money. Yes, uh, and that uh, is bullshit. And it is annoyingly hard to find, um, which is. Uh, a pity, yeah. I mean, as well. on, on 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 like on on letterbox, like a hundred and twelve people have marked this as watched. Yeah, and it just it should be it it is much better th- than that. Finn, do you want to hear a positive review? Uh, uh, yes, uh, from, I do. From letterbox.com. this is a five star review by Gullfire Two. Imagine uh being the first gulfire did he kill gulfire to take over or is it more like or oh, he he's the son of the first gulfire oh, right right yeah like the son of the mask yeah he's like yaya abdul mateen the second that man what a face he's got <laughs> oh yeah and just oh yeah anyway and you put little sunglasses on him crazy or have him you know accidentally summon the candy man or um <laughs> Uh, Watchmen and uh, Black Manta. Oh right, right, yeah. In yeah. In, in in the Aquatic Man films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's going to be in Aquaman too. Yeah, with uh, Duncan Idaho. Yeah, uh, uh, or is it a Gula of Duncan Idaho? I'm not. I'm not sure. <laughs> but like this review, this is one of those reviews where like I I wish I had seen this version yeah. uh, uh, of of the film. I but and I don't honestly disagree with almost any element of of what Gulfire Two 
the second of his name uh, uh, says here. I've always been fascinated by the OK Corral, just how much info and minutia there is, paragraphs upon paragraphs, articles upon articles, books upon books, over what essentially boils down to an incredibly easily avoidable 30-second clusterfuck between a bunch of drunk assholes who'd spent months doing nothing besides threatening to kill each other. If you wanted, you could easily spend your entire life studying everything around it and you'd never run out of material. There's an entire genre of guy out there whose entire personality is just that. It's hard to truly fathom the enormous skyscraper-sized shadow it's cast over American, but it's not a C, it's three Ks, myth, culture, and film history. And I'd say Cox was the right man to tackle that myth and that cinema history and what just might be one of his least appreciated films in his entire filmography, a filmography littered with appreciated masterpieces as it is. I just wish I had seen the film gesturing to that more. I, I wish I felt like it contained that. Um, more successfully. Uh, but, but Gullfire, I can tell you, looking at their top four, is an Alex Cox fan. Okay. Uh, is, is it Reaper Man? Yeah, ding. Yeah. Okay. I was hoping it'd be a deep cut, like a straight to hell returns. Nah, nah, nah. Uh, 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 first, first idea, best idea. Yeah. The next is a quite a quirky, quirky, you know, we're talking about licorice pizza. Here, here's another uh, romance with a pretty big uh, uh, age gap. Uh, Harold and Maud. Ding, ding. Uh, the next is a film I have heard of, but I don't know how to describe it, really. It is... Oh, it's it's by one of our guys. Its subtitle is A Life in Four Chapters. Uh, Mishima. By... Paul Schrader. Yeah, ding, ding. Score by Philip Glass. Uh, uh, the next one is... A, Starring Ken Ogata, I yeah. think. Next one is a remake of a remake, and it ain't no table. So the guy who made it, he makes tables. Okay, so okay, so it doesn't it doesn't uh, doesn't star. Uh, uh, okay, so it doesn't star Kirk Hammett from Metallica. No, no, because he says I am the table. No, 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 no. This guy, he he normally says I make tables. Also, Brian De Palma is is is, is, a, is a hack. Oh, is it is it Schrader again? <laughs> no, who is who's like I'd call him like genre Schrader. Oh. Who make who makes tables? Oh, or a carpenter? Yeah. All right, great. What, what, what was the what was the rest of a clue? <laughs> it's a remake of a remake. Oh, okay, it's a remake of a remake. Um. Okay, it's not Darkstar. No, no, Darkstar is a remake of uh, the concept of stars, which are a remake of the concept of light. You got it. Ding, ding. It's not Assault on Precinct 13. No. Uh, Wait, okay, so... Okay, so is is this movie by Carpenter, or it's a remake of The Carpenter? No, it is. it, It has been remade, but this film is a remake of an adaptation. Is it by John Carpenter? 
uh, oh, it's it's the thing. Ding ding. Yeah. With uh, Curtie Russ and mm-hmm. Keithy Daves. Uh, good top four. Good review. Four stars to Jupiter Ascending. Four stars to Colonel Blimp. Good work, Gullfire. I'm going to check out your Twitter just to make sure there's not like NFTs in, in there. Oh, God. I've got more followers than me. Okay. Hey, when that happens. So you are constantly angry at me, I guess? Uh, yeah. Finn Lind Nicholas Lind. Riddle me piss. Where in your uh, ranking of all the films we've watched so far sits Tombstone uh, Rashomon? I, uh, I have it at uh, number 81 between From Dusk Till Dawn and Piero LeFou. I have it at 102 above Rio Bravo, but beneath Escape Plan. Um, Yeah. Uh, maybe it should be a little higher, but also uh, like, yeah, no, uh, like, yeah, it, it, it is very understandable to have this film lower on, 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 a, on, a, on, a, on, a, on, a, on, on a list like this. It's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's a curio. Yeah. But. And like, it, 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 it does make me want to like, want to watch more Alex Cox. Uh, check out Pornhub, lot of Cox. Great, there. great stuff. Yeah, no, it is. It is uh, great stuff. I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna watch his, uh, uh, I'm gonna watch his 2009 film Repo Chick. Really? Is it like a sequel or a remake? Uh, I don't know, but uh, one of the Arquettes is in it. Which one? Uh, Courtney Cox Arquette. Uh, Rosanna, who was also in After Hours. Ah, by um, Vincent Van Gogh. Hey, Finn. Yes. Where can people find you online? Uh, who gives a shit? But uh, you can find the show on Twitter at ShiteSoundPod, or you can email us at ShiteSoundPod at gmail.com. Why not check out our website? It's at ShiteAndSound.com. If you like what I do, which I hope you do, and if you don't, don't tell me. Uh, uh, I am Youtha Lives on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Put a bit.ly in front of that and you'll sign up for my newsletter. Our theme song is The Nux by Kazam Blam. Check them out on Bandcamp or in Power of the Dog being yelled at by uh, Benny Cumberbo. Uh, and if you like the show, hey, you've got friends. You've got at least two. Me and Finn. No, no, no. Because encouraging parasocial relationships with audiences has only done good things for podcasts. Yeah. Good, good things. Uh, We're in acquired taste. (laughs) Good if more people could acquire it. Leave a a review on your podcatcher of choice or uh, tweet about it or Instagram or Facebook about it with uh, this week's hashtag, which is uh, can I get a hashtag, can I get some lotion for my Rashomon or a hashtag. I remember it differently or Finn. Uh, uh, hashtag. Uh, can I get some lotion for my cocks <laughs> or uh, <laughs> hashtag Akira Kurosawa. What a good director. Yeah. Or uh, Akira Kurosawa. Wah, we were. <laughs> Or hashtag Alex Cox X Files, the mystery of why Alex Cox doesn't get bigger budgets. Uh, Finn. 
yes. Lind Nicholas. Next week, what are we watching? Next week, we are watching In the Mood for Love by Wong Kar Wai. Yeah. And uh, with that, we are doing Wong Kar Wai's uh, sort of follow-up to In the Mood for Love 2046. Uh, yeah. And I'm really trying to talk Brian into being on that episode. I've uh, never seen a Wong Kar Wai film before. Yeah. Uh, I, I almost saw one last year when, uh, uh, when, when Academy Cinemas was playing In the Mood for Love uh, on Valentine's Day. But I was like, if I, if, I go to, if I go to that movie alone, I can never show my face at Academy Cinemas again. But like the, the person, Finn, have you thought about this? I know, I know you have a lot of conflicted uh, feelings about uh, being uh, one is the onlyest number. But have you? I don't think anyone else is. This is just a thought I'm having right now. But what if? What if you loved yourself? You gotta love yourself before anyone else can can love you. Have you tried? And I think, as we'll see next week, in the mood for love is a healthy and repeatable model for not only loving other people, but yourself. Great. I'll be uh, taking notes. Okay. So I just, I look forward to you looking the best anyone has ever looked uh, in a film, not stepping gun first through a mirror. Uh, and, uh, and like mainly like getting water with a pail and passing yourself on stairs. And that sounds pretty good. It, Okay, I don't want to spoil my opinion next week. I think uh, acclaimed director Wong Kar Wai is incredibly good at his job. Um, uh, five stars, Wong Kar Wai. Movies are good. Did you know that Alex Cox in the year 2001 uh, made a documentary about the Emmanuel films called Emmanuel, A Hard Look? No, I thought it was about Deep Throat. I'm, I must remember it differently. Go watch him. that uh, I don't like made of them. Ah. What ones? Uh, Oliver. Ah, oh, yeah. Uh, and And Annie. company with, with the cats. No, no. No, no cats? No, the... The, the aristocrats. Oliver. The aristocrats. Directed by Carol Reed. Ah. Oh. Why don't you like that? Because uh, I think uh, English musicals are bad. Ah. As, we uh, have in fact talked yeah, about this yeah. before on the podcast. Uh, last year I watched a bunch of Joanna Hogg's films for, for, for the first time. Yeah. And I, I, I watched The Souvenir. And there's a scene with Richard Iwade where he's sitting at a dinner table with Honor Swinton Byrne and Tom Burke. And he starts talking about how there's never been a good English musical. Because he's, because uh, he, you know, he's playing he's playing an irritating film student. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I have that same opinion as Richard Iwade. That's not a good sign. Yeah, no, it was great. I was super. 
there must be a good uh, like I, I literally did for like Leonardo DiCaprio pointing meme. Ah, uh, yeah. When you when you like point at someone who's like seventeen or eighteen and say, "I'm gonna fuck them." Yeah, yeah, great, 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 great joke. It's not a joke. He really <laughs> should be investigated. Because <laughs> man, anyway, um, apparently it loves to wear headphones during sex. Apparently, yeah. Do you? He's nodding so vigorously. vigorously. <laughs> um, Hard Day's Night. Hard Day's Night is a good British musical. That's it. That's what I was trying to think of. Hard Day's Night is a good British musical. Yeah, I watched like 30 minutes of that one time. It seemed fine. That's good. You're wrong. But that's the good one. And Help. Not Magical Mystery Tour. Yellow Submarine, maybe. Get Back. Great. Loved it. Um, I'm an insomniac and I use it medically. drove him into the arms of Morpheus. Yeah. Well, it is. It was a film. What a line reading. Uh, Yeah. Just a lot of sauce. All (laughs) like a lot of spice, a lot of paprika. (laughs) 